your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 237 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And credit to you, yes, you, who stayed up to watch that complete no-show of Ottawa Senators hockey, a 7-1 defeat. And if you didn't stay up, well, we've got all the breakdown for you every last bit of it. We're so excited that it's a five-game losing streak, now six games into the season. So we figured that we'd ask out on Twitter, at Sense Central, what are your most pressing questions with this edition of Sens Hockey? Getting lots of great replies. We'll rifle through those, give our takes. But at this point, there's more questions than answers. We will also tee up tomorrow night's game and what changes have to be made immediately. Could we see some action on waivers today? Does somebody need to go? So many questions. We'll just do what we can. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, January 26th. Never talk about another man's job, but Pilsy is DJ Smith, Matt Murray, Pierre Dorian. Does somebody have to pay the price for this lackluster start to the season no i don't think so i think that's we're getting a little out of hand here when you're on a five game losing streak it's tough not to start pointing fingers and uh get the get the job axes out and start sharpening them but this is this is a process that's going to be for the senators this is a team that has almost an entirely new roster there's no preseason games a lot of youth on the roster dj smith's still trying to figure things out i think the people that are that are quick to jump on DJ Smith. I wonder if we went back and looked at their tweets a week or two ago about DJ Smith, how quickly they've switched. I think we all just need to cool down here and (laughs) just, I don't even know where to go from here because this, there's so many chances for the senators to stay in these games. And then it all just slips away. And this is another chance of a team that's down on their luck, a Vancouver Canucks team that before this game, allowed the most goals in the entire league. They were one of the worst teams in the entire league. So the Senators had a chance to bounce back here, but they can't pull it together. And that's been the story pretty much this whole season so far. Yeah, their third periods have been awful, but it didn't even matter by the time the third period came about. It was already 4-1 going into that final frame. The only Senators goal, a tip by Austin Watson, the Iceman at the top of the crease with two Canucks on him. And at that point, you're thinking okay, maybe they're onto something. They make it 2-1 at that point. And not even, what, 10 seconds later, the Canucks come back down the other side and score a goal. And then they score another one and another one and another one. They scored on 20% of their shots, Pilsy. That's an 800 save percentage for Matt Murray. And it's becoming all too common between the pipes for Ottawa not getting the save when they need it. And he was good in the first two games against Toronto, no doubt. Even that, That second game when they lost 3-1, he was really good. But since then, it's been just terrible. And I know that Penguins fans warned warned us. They said, man, he plays with two blockers. But that poor rebound control was out in full force last night. Yeah, it's and it's inexcusable. Like for a goalie that 
of his caliber of his contract like you expect better things from Matt Murray and he just there's what like you could count like four or five times where that easily could have been a glove save if he catches it meanwhile it's a juicy rebound and a good opportunity that's how the first goal went in now I'm not gonna fully blame that on Matt Murray because Riley and Goodbranson were both in front of the net covering Brandon Sutter and they still couldn't stop him from getting a whack at it and going in so there's that's a little bit of a team effort that uh, causes that goal but Matt Murray they're just there wasn't really many examples of him making a good save. And the one goal that I keep thinking about is the one where it was a two-on-one. It was the Quinn Hughes goal. It was a two-on-one. Murray already is, is beat by that one-timer. He's already beat by it. It hits the post. And then he's sliding all the way out of the crease. He's completely out of the crease. Doesn't realize it's not in. And Quinn Hughes has an entirely open net. And he has to skate towards Matt Murray. He skates right towards Matt Murray and still beats him. And there was an open net. Like, it's those kind of goals. And all the goals, like, there wasn't a lot of tips. There wasn't a lot of deflections. It was just cleanly being beat. And there was times where, like that last goal, I hate to to magnify glass on Timmy, but Timmy gives it up. He gets out muscled by Brandon Sutter. And then when once Brandon Sutter's in alone on Murray, you just it looks like Murray just kind of crumbles. He just kind of collapses. And it you know he's getting beat. Every time it was all alone, a player against Murray, it was a for sure goal. And that can't happen. He's got to spark some confidence and have some ability to stand tall in those moments because this game, it was too many momentum killers where it seemed like the Sens were pushing back and then Murray lets one in, and they're right back to being deflated. Let's go back to the start of the game, and you could tell right off the bat this team was being careless with the puck. Shabbat's giveaway was absolutely inexcusable. I believe that was for the 2-0 goal. Christian Willanen threw a couple pizzas. He had a really tough game, especially the shorthanded goal where he failed to keep the puck in twice at the blue line, and then instead of attacking it when it was just sitting there, poking it back in, yeah, you'd give up possession all the same, but it would have to regroup in the Vancouver zone and being shorthanded, they probably just would have flipped it up and down the ice and and then you start the breakout. But instead, he retreated, made it a two-on-one against, and, well, we know we just talked about Matt Murray. Puck ends up in the back of the net. How about this for depicting the Senators' defensive zone coverage in the second period, that 45-second shift where both Josh Brown and Alex Galchenyuk didn't have sticks. I was like, wow, if that's not a microcosm of how they've played in their own zone this year, I don't know what is. They didn't get scored on there, but it's just the overriding kind of thought for me is that they're just overcomplicating everything. Defensive zone coverage, like neither stick was broken. Pick it up. Like, let's get, let's get going here. And then on the power play, always looking for that perfect pass. Jamie McLennan said it really well on the broadcast last night. By the way, Gord, uh, Gord Miller and Jamie McLennan did a great job calling it from studio. It sounded like they were at the arena. It was great. But Noodle said, they're trying to pass the puck into the net. Shoot. Take shots. And there was that one opportunity. Norris had a great one-timer on one of those seam passes from Batherson. But for the most part, it was just like way too many passing. You're not the Globetrotters. You're not the 0-2 Red Wings. You're not even the 2017 Senators. Just shoot the puck, make rebounds like the other team's doing. How many of Vancouver's seven goals, Pilsy, were off rebounds? That, that's from just quick, easy shots on goal. So 
just simplify, simplify, simplify. You don't have enough talent to be trying to do all these dipsy doodles. Yeah, I agree. And it's frustrating for sure. And yeah, you mentioned the one time Batherson gets that pass to Norris, but that's that's a nice chance, but you can't be trying to force that through every time on the power play. And then, man, that drop pass for the transition for the power play, I, I think I might lose my hair if we keep seeing that. 50 feet passes, it's unreal. And like, but the thing is, Every single person who's in the arena who's watching that game knows they're going to do a drop pass. Shabbat pivots to do the drop pass, and the play, the Vancouver player's already there, and he's waiting for him to, to do that, and Shabbat still does it. Like, we got to we gotta have at least, like, sure, maybe that's plan A is do the drop pass, but when you notice a guy is sneaking behind you and waiting for you to drop it who's not on your team, then maybe you go to plan B once. Yep. Well said. And I mean, we saw Christian Willannon replace Mike Riley on the second power play unit for at least a part of the game. Willannon ends up playing 145, uh, Riley 130 with the man advantage. But Willannon just two giveaways, and I would have given him more, but two officially, him and Shabbat leading Ottawa with, with a pair each. And we already highlighted how they both ended up in the back of the net on both those plays. But one thing I also noticed, and maybe this is a situation of being a blowout at We'll get to Timmy's ice time, but in terms of the decor, that's about as even a distribution as you can have. Shabbat at 22 minutes and Josh Brown with the least at 1537. So the entire decor within seven minutes, do you think that's a strategy that should be utilized or is it terrible because there's a clear discrepancy of talent from number one until the rest? I think in this situation, it's it's okay because normally if it was lopsided, it's going to be lopsided Shabbat and Zaitsev playing much more minutes. And then the other four guys kind of being in a similar range, right? That's where you're looking at. But when Shabbat and Zaitsev are playing like they are, you can't be trucking them out for 25 minutes a night. Like I said it before, this team will ride and die with the play of Shabbat. And he has been flat out bad the last couple of games. And even Nikita Zaitsev, we've been propping him up. He's been looking good. He had a really bad game too. I I noticed more often than not, he was on the ice when goals are being scored. He was the thing with the defense that's really getting me, Ross, is there's times where they just, and maybe this is a product of constant line changing and deep pairings being sh- shuffled, but the miscommunications there, like just simple, like D to D passes where there's no one even in the, no opponents in the D zone, they're, they're muffing on and guys got to skate back to pick up the puck that a guy dropped for someone who wasn't there. Their coverage when they're switching sides is totally off. And oftentimes I found when the Canucks had the puck behind the net, there was two defensemen going towards them and there's a guy open out front. Like, I don't know the defensive coverage. I think it has been a big problem. I think this team offensively, like they had 36 shots, like the opportunities were there. Shout out Thatcher Demko with amazing rebound control. If we could get half of that rebound control from Matt Murray, we're looking like a much better team, but reminder that he's their backup kind of like they brought in Braden Holpe on a two year deal to kind of, he's the one B. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, and like his rebound control was just so good. The Sens couldn't get anything going. And the defensive partners, they need to be better because I do think this offense, like the the offensive group, I think can start clicking. It's just the momentum killers that are happening with the mistakes on defense are just totally destroying any kind of opportunity the offense has. And they can't capitalize when they get those clear opportunities on offense. 
So who comes out on the back end? DJ Smith said major changes are coming. You got to think Artem Zub makes a sense debut. We've been saying that for what feels like the last three or four games, but you think he comes in. I would imagine Braden Coburn also comes back in the lineup. So if you could pick two players from this decor last night to come out, I would even put one or two on waivers just to prove a point, but that might be pushing it. Who comes out in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, you'd want to put some guys on waivers to prove a point, but then if if they, even if teams do decide to pick up on them, then you're kind of scrambling. Then you have even even less competent defense guys going in into your roster. So I think they got to hang tight. But I don't I don't really know what to do, Ross, because I'm with you. I'd like to see Zubin. Like it's not like all of these guys have their names in permanent marker on the roster. Like there's been some questionable decisions all around, but. The, the main thing, I don't want to pull Willandon right away. It was a god-awful game by Willandon. Let's be just totally clear. But you can't, like, you can't have him thinking every game he's going to make a mistake, he's going to sit in the press box for the next three games. Like, you can't have him gripping the stick that tight. This is a young player who already had a shortened season last season. He hasn't played a lot of hockey. you got to get him his reps. you got to give him a chance. He needs a bit longer of a leash. I mean, Willandon even joked about it. He's like, yeah, I have a short lease here, the leash here. That's kind of been my theme while I've been in Ottawa. That's not what you want from up and coming uh, young defenseman. As far as Braden Coburn coming in, I don't like that move either. <laughs> like that's, that's doesn't move the needle much either way. I think maybe you look at switching Morgan Riley or Morgan. Riley. I, I think, wish. I think maybe you look at switching Mike Riley and uh, Artyom Zub and maybe switch a guy to the right side. I don't know what you do because any puzzle piece you put into this decor doesn't really improve them that much, unfortunately. This decor actually sucks. I'll just go out and flat out say it. It is not good. Almost as bad as Artem Anisimov going 13% in the faceoff circle. One win in eight faceoffs for Artem Anisimov. And He's a candidate to come out of the lineup. That guy is just a complete no-show defensively. Flyby City, not much to like in his game, but the one guy who fans wanted to stay up for was the return of Timmy Superstar. He's back in the lineup, and then he's on the ice for a goal against towards the end of the first period, and he goes a 14-minute span with one shift. Pilsy, is that the right move to protect a player we'll call it because that's what DJ Smith said after the game coming back from injury said he was just a little off I don't want to say it's the right move because I just had a spiel about how you got to give Christian Willan in uh, more of a leash so that he's not gripping the stick to- so tight but but then you're looking at the other scenario where when Timmy Stutzla was on the ice he wasn't that great dash four he was the main reason why that last uh the Brandon Sutter hat trick happened he gave that puck away and that's just a mistake by Stutzla being used to being able to hold that puck there and no one's going to outmuscle him. Well, this is the NHL now and guys are going to outmuscle you, especially a hungry guy who I'm not sure how many hat tricks Brandon Sutter's had that in his was career. His first. <laughs> there you go. Looking for his first hat trick. He's coming at you with man strength and some determination. And I actually thought Timmy Stutzla did a good job on the back check and uh, kind of got got all up in his business without taking a penalty but then Matt Murray just deflates and like doesn't have any chance of stopping that. So as far as Timmy Stutzla getting benched, I think it was an okay idea because he wasn't playing great out there. What's the point of rolling him out there and just having him get shelled when your team's down anyway? So I think to have him take a little break, realize he's got to be a little smarter, a lot a little more aggressive, a little uh more 
responsible with the puck, I think was an okay move, but unfortunately it didn't really serve its purpose because the rest of the night he, he continued to struggle. Yeah. He's a minus four, two of his last three shifts in the game resulted in a goal against, but it was really after he was on the ice for the first goal that he had, he was stapled to the bench for quite a bit. And that goal came at the end of a minute and five second shift, a couple long shifts early in the game too. You got to wonder if DJ Smith noticed that Uh, his third shift of the game was a minute and 44 seconds. And I don't know if he got caught out there in the back end, but uh, that's pretty long uh, in terms of NHL standards, usually 30 to to 45 seconds maximum. So 16 shifts for Timmy Stutzla and his return played 12 minutes and 37 seconds. And that's just, it's just frankly too low. Like you think that's third least amount of ice time on this entire Ottawa team. The only guys who played less were Alex Galchenyuk and Artem Anisimov, two guys who have been in and out of the lineup. So I'm willing to give DJ Smith a pass on this one just because he's coming back from injury. We'll see on Wednesday. It's a game that we're going to preview later on in this show. We're also going to get to our Send Central standouts, our locked-on players for the next game, and we're getting a lot of great questions at Send Central. But before we drive over to that segment, we got to make sure our car's all good. And where are we going to go to make sure? Rock Auto. That's rockauto.com. It's a family business that serves auto parts, and they've been doing it for 20 years. You go for yourself. Check it out at rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything. Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. You can even get your new carpet there. And whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The Rock Auto .com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, the prices at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. This is a, an easy question, but it's one that's so important. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Don't do it. Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right? Locked on. In their how did you hear about us box? That way, they know that we sent you. Reliable selection. The lowest price is it's rockauto.com. All right, Pilsy. I still need a little time to think of my Send Central standout from last night's performance. It wasn't great, but as we said off the top, this is a situation where there are more questions than answers. So we put it out on Twitter. What are you most pressed about through six games watching this edition of Sens Hockey? Pills, I'll start with you. For you, what is the number one question that you need answered going forward? That's that's tough because there are a lot of questions. I'm I'm going to say the the biggest problem that I've seen game in and game out when you're a young team this is so important. It's it's the struggles in the faceoff dot. We need some improvement in the faceoff dot because if you're starting every shift chasing the puck in the offensive zone, in the neutral zone, in the defensive zone, you're already at a a loss like you're already struggling and it's hard to get the puck back and then you got to transition it I mean there was even times where the Sens were winning face-offs and then the Vancouver Canucks ended up with it and went the other way like I'm pretty sure that um, the goal where Hoglander sets up the goal the Sens won that face-off in the offensive zone and then Vancouver takes the puck and brings it back the other way you said it Artem Anisimov one for eight in the face-off dot Brady one for seven 
Tierney, four for 12. The Sens went one for seven on face-offs on the power play. Like, when you're not starting with the puck in the ozone, they went 0 for 5 on the power play. That's you. Sh- you got to be able to get one out of five, and losing the faceoff right away is a big part of that. Because then the puck gets cleared. There's there's 40 seconds taken off your power play right there. So I think for me, the biggest question is what's going on with the faceoffs here. We got to figure this out if we have any chance of sticking in these games. Yeah, that's a great question because the centermen they brought in have been terrible. Like Derek Stepan, he's never been great. In his he's improved, in though. He's at least right around 50%. So, like, yeah, my gripes four, with him 44. aren't too bad. Yeah, 44 yesterday, and he had that 25% game, and he just needs to be more consistent. On the flip side, Josh Norris has quickly improved since his yeah. uh, not great start in the first couple of games in the circle. He was over 50% last night we've got a lot of questions what is dj smith doing but we pretty much covered this pilsy why are they looking so flat-footed is that something that's a personnel issue yeah i think a part of it too is the way this roster is designed right like when pierre dorian built this roster he didn't build it for speed let's be perfectly honest he brought in a lot of tough guys and these guys aren't the most fleet of foot what is dj smith thinking with Colin White that's getting a ton of traction and more importantly and this is being mentioned in this thread as well why is he only playing with fourth line players when he is in the lineup whereas when Artem Anisimov is in they say oh well if he's in he has to play with good players well why is that not the case with a former first round pick well I think with the case with Anisimov and we've talked about this is offensively he actually looks all right and he can create a couple chances but then turn the puck the other way he's a complete defensive liability like he might as well just skate off the ice when the other team has the puck like even if it's a bad change there's there's a better chance of the guy he that's changing for him catching up to the play and making a stop defensively than Artem Anisimov if he's in the play so there's your problem right there uh as far as Colin White goes I'm just as confused here. Like you gotta, you gotta give Colin Wade a shot here. And then when he does get in the lineup, he's playing fourth line minutes and he's setting up guys perfectly. Like that Cedric Paquette play, he set him up perfectly all alone and no result from it. In fact, it goes the other way in his own net after that. So Colin White needs more of an opportunity here. And yeah, I, I think it's definitely time to switch the roles of Colin White and Artem Anisimov. We got to do something here. Nice to see our boy Tony Ferrari, friend of the show, hop into this thread as well, saying the veterans that were brought in are not living up to expectations. Why are they not going all in on you? DJ Smith has seen it done successfully even in the past. So what's the hesitation there? I think this is kind of, this is a result of, this is a brand new roster. You haven't, you didn't get preseason games like you normally do to tinker with lines and see who's, who's playing well with who and who can handle what situations. So you're still tinkering a lot with this process. I do. I still think they need to inject more youth. Yes. But DJ Smith, obviously benching Stutzla for a good chunk of time in that game. Doesn't think the young guys are fully ready to take on these roles. And it, it hasn't worked in the opposite way either. He's handed those roles to the veterans and the veterans have been making costly mistakes and not looked great. Just like Tony Ferrari said, like I expected a better, better game and better performances from Derek Stepan. That's for sure. I thought Goody would be a little bit better defensively. I've seen some, some things that don't really like from him. Josh Brown has been mediocre, but I want to see him dominate more physically here and just guys aren't living up to their expectations. So it, it's the start of the season. We're only six games in, but 
The thing is, you can say we're only six games in in an 82-game season, and that's not a big deal. But six games in in a 56-game season, we're running out of time here. When you got one, you win your home opener and lose the next five, you're running out of leash here. Yeah, we're already 9% through the season, Pills. Yep. It's uh, it's going pretty quickly. And uh, we jokingly tweeted out the link to Tankathon. We're not there yet, although the early returns are not great for this upcoming draft. Senzi McSen's face, what a name there. But he makes a good point. Was it a requirement to bring back the results from 1992 along with the jerseys? But, um, but hey, Pills, we got to say, although these last two games have been terrible, the jerseys look fantastic. The white ones are unreal. Yeah. Hey, if you're going to play god-awful, you might as well look good doing it. And the Sens are definitely doing that. I can't wait for the reverse retro. I wonder when when they don the reverse retros, hammer the Sens. they got to win that game. That's that's our next Stanley Cup. The, the Leafs home opener, we already won that Stanley Cup. So raise the banner. Get that one up to the rafters. We'll plan the parade once COVID is done. But next Stanley Cup is winning our reverse retro opener. That's got to happen. Wow. It wouldn't be the Locked On Senators podcast if we didn't finish a segment full of negativity with a positive spin on it. And I would bet that Pilsy is eventually going to win his parlay of the day. It didn't happen yesterday, but it's going to happen eventually. And when he does, he is going to take a beating from the people at bet online because he's going to put so much on it because he's just adding up. He's adding a little bit more each time. He's saying, you know what? I'm due. I'm due. And well, it hasn't cashed yet. He did hit the over last night. So if you listen to half of Pilsy's parlay, you would have been in the money. However, at betonline.ag and anywhere else, the parlay system, you got to win both. And well, he's still working on that. So I'm letting him think of one up right now. Well, I tell you, about our friends at betonline.ag because they're the only place that has you covered in the one place that we trust for online sports wagering. It's betonline.ag where you can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on. That promo code gives you the best promo in the business. It's a 50% welcome bonus. You put in $200, they give you 100. You put in 100, they give you 50. Nice little welcome, you know. Usually, you have to win wagers to get that extra money, but no, not at BetOnline.ag. We want to welcome you with open arms into the sports wagering world. Make sure you wager responsibly, but it's always fun to put a couple shekels and really feel invested in the game. For example, when the Sens were down 3-1 yesterday, yeah, I sprinkled a few shekels on the Senators because I wanted to feel something last night when I was watching that third period, and well... I still lost that as well, but Pilsy's due for his parlay of the day. So without further ado, here he is. What do you have for us today, Pils? What is going to cash us big? Well, Ross, you said you wanted to feel something during that game. It's better to feel pain than nothing at all, I guess, right? Amen. So you, you got a little pain and suffering there, but we're going to turn this around. I swear we're going to turn this around. Pilsy's parlay of the day. Um, we're going to try to boost our pockets here a little because it's been consecutive losses. So I'm starting with Philly puck line against the New Jersey Devils. So that's Philly to win by minus one and a half at plus 170. I like those odds. Philly's due. Carter Hart had an absolute meltdown the other day. He's not going to let that happen again. I sense a big bounce back game from Carter Hart and the Philadelphia Flyers. And the second part of my parlay here, 
Vegas Golden Knights money line. It is the Alex Petrangelo revenge game. I wouldn't be shocked if he chips in for a goal and assist and maybe even a fight, maybe even a Gordy Hattrick because he did not like the way things ended in St. Louis. I mean, the guy captains the team to their first ever Stanley Cup and then gets sent out the door the next year. That's some garbage. And now that he's with the Vegas Golden Knights, they're going to show him that they made a mistake. And Mark Stone, one of the best players in the NHL in points right now, I like them a lot. So combine the Philadelphia Flyers puck line and the Vegas Golden Knights money line, put 10 bucks in, and you're going to win $35.62. Let's ride on that, and let's get this going here. Yeah, well, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get yourself into the action and make sure you use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag with your first deposit. It's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Pilsy. So usually we have this earlier in the show, but well, it was tough to find some Sense Central standouts. Who were yours in a 7 1 loss to the Vancouver Canucks? Well, yeah, again, not a lot of candidates for the Sense Central standout. The most prestigious award you can possibly get as a member of the Ottawa Senators. So I'm giving this one out to Austin Watson. Ice he- man. The ice man, he gets a goal a night, man. He's battling two defenders in front of the net and he gets a stick on it and gets a deflection that beats Thatcher Demko. The only play to beat Thatcher Demko. Then what else does Austin Watson do? He does what he was brought in here to do. If you're talking about a veteran that hasn't lived up to expectations, I don't know if you can throw Watson in that category. He's been solid in my eyes. Five hits last night. The end of the game, he was on a mission. Anytime any Vancouver Canuck touched the puck on his last shift, he was running you through the boards, and he did that to Russell. They had a scrap. I thought Watson could have kept going, but Russell called the refs in. And Watson also had another fight earlier. Uh, One of the Vancouver Canucks guys, he threw a questionable hit at Brady. It was late. It it could have been uh, resulted in an injury if Brady didn't kind of duck out of the way. Watson doesn't like that. He gets in there too. So Austin Watson, my Sense Central standout because that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see emotionally fueled fights and guys sticking up for guys on their team. That's the kind of fights I want to see to try to get this team back in the game and inspire uh, guys to, to grow as a team. So Austin Watson, my Sense Central standout. Yeah, me as well. I'll also give a shout out to the fans who stayed up to watch that debacle because it was uh, it was an easy one to turn off. So if you managed to stick through that third period, especially stick taps to you and Pilsy, no show tomorrow, but we do have a game on our hands. It's the second part of a three part series in Vancouver. And this one, you don't have to stay up as late. It's an 8 p.m. start, not 10. We'll have a show on Thursday to break it all down for you, but we're, t- we're taking Wednesday off. It's going to be Wednesday and Saturday this week, just the way the schedule works out. So we're going to have our Send Central Citizen on Sunday, which will be a little bit of a change, but still a weekend edition for you. And if you want, you can listen to that Sunday show on your drive to work on Monday, and then we'll have another episode for you Monday afternoon. We get up, we do this in the morning, and then still have to edit. So usually out around 12. If uh, you're wondering why it's not out earlier. That's just the reason. We saw uh, one of our reviews there say that. They love the show, but just hoping to get it out a little earlier. Just so you know, we literally roll out of bed. We do our prep, and then we're recording right away. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your Locked On Senders podcast. Be the first to give it a listen, and also make sure to review as well. We do appreciate that. And also, 
all of the interactions with our tweet when we put out the new episode. Those go a long way in growing the show as well. So thank you very much for listening. And in that kind of segue in to what we're expecting, because I'm assuming that we may might. I mean, I'm saying I'm assuming. I think we should see some movement on waivers. And whether it's a veteran who's just being told, look, this it's over for you, Artem. It's over. I mean, we got the zoo. We can't have two Artems on the same team. I'm sorry. But that wouldn't be why. It's the defensive effort, no doubt. But what has to change, Pilsley, for the Senators to be successful on, on Wednesday night? Well, first and foremost, when you get five power play opportunities and you don't come away with a single goal on them, you don't deserve to win that game right off the bat. And finally, this was a game where the Senators, 36 shots, like that's got to be a season high, no? Like they got a lot of shots, no rebounds from Demko. So their their dirty, grindy, greasy game in front of the net wasn't going to happen. Demko wasn't allowing it. They're going to have to figure out that power play if they're going to have any chance of success here. And Demko was one of the worst goalies in the league to start this game. Like his stats were god awful. So now you're going to Braden Holpe, who also hasn't been good, but he's been better than Demko. So that's going to be a real struggle here. So I want to see the power play start clicking. The Senators need to start scoring on those grade a scoring chances opportunities like connor brown i've said it enough i said it last show and of course it happened again he's all alone with the perfect opportunity can't score chris tierney hits the crossbar artem anisimov gets a couple chances too but just no one can bury it we need to start burying these chances because the chances for sends the grade a ones are few and far between no doubt there, Pilsy, and you, you're getting offensive opportunities, but when you have the most of them, when you have the extra player on the ice, you really have to take advantage. And why not have Stutzla on the top power play unit? Like, he's probably your second-best offensive player already, no? Yeah, and what I've liked from Timmy Stutzla to say a positive thing about him is his zone entries when he's carrying the puck are very good. He's more often than not, he's able to get into the zone and set something up because he's just so crafty with the puck. Like when he finally gets the puck on his stick for like three, four, five strides and starts feeling it, then you can see what this player's got. But he hasn't had a lot of time and space with the puck. So it's been hard to notice what he can do. I like your idea. Get him on the top power play. Like if you're going to shelter him, shelter him five on five and then let him loose on the power play. My locked on player to watch in tomorrow night's game is whoever is in the crease because let's just rifle through it. And we, again, we tweeted this out late last night, right after the game. So anyone who may have missed it, here's the sense save percentage by game this season 870, 925, 857, 862, 865, and last night, 800. That means 80% save percentage it's completely unacceptable you're not going to win in the national hockey league with that so let's see if whoever is between the pipes my choice would be marcus hogberg they're probably going to go with matt murray whoever it is needs a bounce back performance and exude some sort of confidence because when the team knows that the goalie is letting in 20 percent it's like john tortorella said on about john graham i think it was in the 06 series against ottawa he goes I'm a little sick of the 25% rule and you can't allow the shooting percentage to be as high. It's just terrible for the confidence of this entire group. And you're not going to be able to be as free flowing offensively and, and worry about making a mistake. You don't think Shabbat's gripping his stick tight after that giveaway in the first period. If Matt Murray bails him out, all of a sudden he's like, okay, I, I, I dodged a bullet there and now it's time to go, go, go offensively. Instead, 
you're just going to compound the mistake. And that's where I worry this team's at, Pilsy, is they're at a point where there's so many mistakes on top of each other that the confidence erodes and then you're just stuck with absolutely nothing. We talked about it when Matt Murray was acquired. We said that this is a great opportunity for these young guys because they're going to have a goalie back there that they're going to be confident in, can mop up some of these mistakes. Uh, Breakaway, Matt Murray, he's going to be able to stop them. That hasn't been the case. Matt Murray needs to be better. And if I'm DJ Smith, you have to put Marcus Hogberg in next game. You cannot roll Matt Murray out again. Save him for the other part of that back-to-back because that's just an unacceptable game from your bona fide number one starter. And I thought Marcus Hogberg played pretty well against the Jets in his uh, season debut. Well, in the game that he started for the first time this season. So go to Hogberg next game. And uh, my, my hashtag locked on player to watch, you mentioned it, Thomas Shabbat. I've said it, this team ride and dies with the play of Thomas Shabbat. I'm going to be watching to see if he can have a bounce back performance. And he's a guy that I've pegged as being the next captain of the Ottawa centers, because I think he's even keel. He doesn't get too low, too high. Well, let's see it. This is one hell of a low for him, a string of two, maybe even three games of poor, poor performance from Thomas Shabbat. Can he bounce back? Can he stay even keeled? Can he inspire this team to play better defensively and not make those mistakes? That's what I want to watch from him. Thomas Shabbat minus seven with just one assist in his last four games. He did get an assist though last night on Austin Watson's goal. And it made it 2-1 at that point. You still thought that they had a chance, but it was soon after that the realization was, nah. And that's the same can be said in that Winnipeg game too. Ottawa, they score a goal and they give up the momentum right away. And that needs to change. And that's, again, a confidence issue and a goalie making a big save. Growing up as a goalie myself, John Elkins goalie camp, one of the really well-respected ones. Funny enough, he's actually been Matt Murray's goalie coach since he was nine years old. So I know Matt Murray's heard this exact speech from John Elkin. The most important times in a game are the first two minutes of a period, the last two minutes of a period, and the two minutes following a goal four. He's not, he's not getting those done because they're letting in goals at the end of periods. That kills the momentum through the intermission. And then a goal after goal four, that's the biggest momentum killer going. So can he steer the ship in the right direction? Those are questions. Again, more questions than answers. Sounds like the title of the show, but we'll be back on Thursday, hopefully breaking down a win and teeing up a chance for Ottawa to go on their first winning streak of the season. But for now, it's a five-game losing streak. The Sens are 1-4-1 and on the young season. The good news, though, 90% of the season is yet to be played. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.